Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst. The trailer looking at Billy Bones. A pound of dick and roll. West Ham United. More than just a podcast. More than just a Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Season 7, episode 31, Where Has the Time Gone? Good evening, Jonathan. Good evening, Sean. Where are you? What are you doing? I'm in my loft speaking to you. And good evening, Nigel. Where are you and what are you doing? I'm in my shed. Hang on. Sitting next to the radio. But LA, never. So, no football. We weren't in the FA Cup. Uh, International break now. Uh, So, there's nothing for us to talk about. Um, Thanks for coming, guys. Uh, See you next week. That's that's exactly why George ain't here, because he's just not interested. (laughs) Well, we have got some stuff going on. It's never a dull day at West Ham, is it? John. Oh, it's it's a joy to behold. Always now, is. Now, this first segment, we're going to talk about some finances. So John's going to have a little sleep. He's going to come back in a minute when we're going to talk about Brady, his favourite subject. So let's start with the finances. So we we did discuss something last week with Nigel, and we're going to go on to what Nigel's been up to in the last week because uh, he's unemployed at the moment. Um, but there was a really good article and I'm going to put it on the Facebook group and it's, it's by a, a website called price of football. Um, and they've done a big analysis far bigger than I've, I've done on the West Ham results last week. And I'm going to put a link up on, on the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash more than just a podcast. If you want to read it, but they point out some interesting things. Um, obviously we already know that the match day increase, the ticket sales hasn't increased very much, much a small 6% increase from 26.9 million to 28.6, um, which is surprised some because we went from 35,000 to, you know, 57,000. Um, but as a lot of people have already said, you know, you can't have everything if you're going to sell 289 pound tickets and 99 pound tickets to kids. Unless you put up the prices, you're never going to really get the revenue. And and the big factor is there's only 2,000 tickets for sale because you've got 52,000 tickets. Where they get a lot of money is selling the general public tickets 
but there's only 2,000 of them every game. So, well, except for when people use t- uh, Ticket Exchange. And there you go. That That's the problem, Nigel. You never use Ticket Exchange. The club would make a lot more in ticket revenue if only you put your tickets on Ticket Exchange. It's a bit hard. I've been to every game. Yeah, but you don't always go with someone else in your other seat. Oh, well, that's up to the other person, then, isn't it? If my son doesn't want to put his seat on Ticket Exchange, who am I to tell him to do it otherwise? Well, you're his father. You tell him what to do. <laughs> Kids are today, eh? God, dear. Yeah. So we know most of the money came from TV. Uh, so that's where the, the the big increase came. And also from commercial. So they've, they've got a big increase in commercial. But that actually is down to Club London. So they increased, uh, I think you'll know this, Nigel, how many um, hospitality seats did they have in the old Berlin grounds? Was it about 2,700 2, or 2,400? I think it was 2,400. Oh. And, and we've gone to 3,200 yeah. uh, with the different lounges. Yeah. The reason for the move, I think we, we should basically point out, was because the only way they could get income different was by from the corporate the corporate money at the bowling far outweighed anything the season ticket holders put in. They couldn't increase the corporate at the bowling. If they'd have built the new East Stand, there was no facility for any corporate in the East Stand. So that's a big reason to look at why the East Stand was never developed. Because Were they a little bit disingenuous, Nigel? Uh, th- 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 well, <laughs> that is one word that I've recently uh, uh, learned and, and know the meaning of and overused. <laughs> it's so, it's only one, I've only used it only in that video. The next video, I've, I've, I made sure it only got one out him. Um, yeah, I saw that. So, I've not seen the next video. Uh, oh, in, no, so, it's, it's, it's secret at the moment. It's going to be released very soon. Oh, so, tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, if... The only way that they could increase, as I said, the, the um, income was by the corporate money. That's why they moved. So that's really interesting, Nigel. I didn't realise that. Wally. I didn't realise there was no corporate in the uh, no, there proposed was, east in, side. In the so new it was east basically then. just for supporters, just for fans that side. Yes. Yeah, purely. That's why it was never built. Yeah, that's when you looked at it. I mean, we, we talked about last time about a feasibility study that they never did any. When you looked at it, let's just say they were going to look at building the new East stand. It would have cost them around 20 to 30 million pounds to build a new East stand by the time they'd have done it. Um, it would have only added, because to build the new East stand, they would have had to chop into the existing Bobby Moore and the existing Trevor Brookin. So they would have lost seats there. So the maximum capacity was only 41,000 give or take a couple of hundred seats. So that was it. So it would only have added 6,000 seats to the current capacity or to what the last capacity was at the bowling. Now, you work out how long do 6,000 seats take you to earn £30 million. And there's your reason. You know, yeah. I've just done a feasibility yeah. study <laughs> there and then. That's why it was never. Yeah. 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 But then, so the other yeah, the other interesting sure, thing you were saying about about the the increase in the match day like profit really is what you're saying, and that's because yeah, they're, yeah. they're cheap seats and cheaps whatever. But that's also because yeah. we don't own the stadium, isn't it? If it was our stadium, we'd be getting corporate sponsorship and we'd be getting a greater percentage of everything else. 
So Yeah, but that wouldn't so just to be clear, that wouldn't come in the match day. So I'm only talking about match day. We do actually own uh match um side, pitch side advertising, John, and, and a lot of the stuff. We just don't own that middle bit or the advertising on the outside, which mostly the, the stadium owners hasn't sold. We own pitch side advertising. Or the sponsorship and obviously of the stadium. That's a massive loss in it there. Well, yeah, but I mean, they haven't sold it themselves and West Ham have challenged them and said, give it to us and we'll sell it, you know, uh, and we'll share the profit with you. Um, only if it reaches four million are they but supposed to share some with West Ham. But there's a problem with naming rights of a stadium. In the, to, to name a stadium and for that name to be known and to maximise the revenue from that, the stadium has to be renamed before the football club moves in. As soon as that stadium is named... So we'd give it the London Stadium. There's a good chance that the majority of football fans will now forever call that stadium the London Stadium. Arsenal yeah. Stadium from day one was called the Emirates. It's still called the Emirates. All right. How how about St James's Park? How about the up, he tried that at St James's Park? He tried to rename it the JJ Beast or whatever his company is. So what's I've forgotten what his company is. Sports Direct. Sports Direct Stadium. Who called it that? No one. Look at the Britannia at Stoke. I don't even... What's it called then? I don't know. It's better 365, is, is it? it? Yeah. It? There are some that have done it, but you're right. What's you do Bolton? remember Bolton's the old name. called the Reebok. Well, but it ain't the Reebok, is, though, yeah. is it? It's not no, the Reebok we call it no. the Reebok because when it was built, it was called the Reebok. That's the thing with when you do stadium names and sell them, you have to get a deal... I mean, Manchester City, I suppose, was the city of Manchester Stadium. It's now known as the Etihad. It takes a, a good few years uh, f- for a name to stick. I mean, we are going to be known as yeah. the, either the Olympic Stadium or the London Stadium. And therefore, if they try yeah. and sell it now, it's devalued because... Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. That. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, get... Getting back to the, the, the finances, West Ham's wage bill rose by 12% to £95 million. Now, just to put this against rivals, Everton's wage bill is 105 so we're still behind Everton by £10 million. Leicester, believe it or not, £112 million wage bill. So that's that's what's happened from them winning the league and, and how much they've ended up. Yeah, but they would have had to pay paying. out bonuses. So, that's the season just after they've won the when it incorporates and winning the league. Yeah, so is. they would have had to pay out bonuses. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see where it is. I mean, obviously we don't come anywhere close to, you know, um, Man City or, or, or any of those. I mean, um, you know, that they're paying 200 million, et cetera. And, you know, 200, what is it? 264 million, in uh, for Man City and uh, well, 264 for Man United as well. Chelsea paid 220 million, uh, Arsenal 199 million, Liverpool 208 million. We get nowhere close uh, to the rest of them. Um, funny enough, Stoke are the closest afterwards, they pay 85 million, about 10 million behind us. So it it's all that normalization. But the, the really interesting thing for me, and I hadn't seen this before, is um, the depreciation or mortalization of the players, how much we pay over a period of time for the players in transfer fees, because we, we, we pay it over a period of time. So in 2013, we were paying 14 million a year in, let's call them installments for players, another 56 million in wages. That's doubled over five years. Now we're paying 45 million 
in installments for players and 95 in wages. So we're 100, we were 70 million in 2013. We're now 140 million. And what they say is that's a huge gap. We are far ahead of the, the money we're putting on tick, if, if you want to call it that, where we're paying installments. So the real cost of running players is 140 million a year. So if you think of what revenue you've got, 140 million pounds go straight out the door in paying installments to other clubs and and uh, wages straight away. And that's what some people probably don't don't realize that that's where the money money goes. Apart from of course paying our owners some of the uh, their their interest back which we're going to come back onto with um uh with um Nigel in a minute. So what they point out in this article is um, and this is a really interesting way of looking at it, is the club's interest works out at £97,000 a week. So all of our interest in secured loans, you remember we have these sort of payday loans, we have interest from shareholders and other interest, we pay £5 million a year, uh, down from £6 million, by the way, the year before, but that's £97,000 a week we're paying in interest. How much do you think the owners get in interest every single week? They don't take a wage. They don't take a dividend. Uh, how much do you think they take, John? Oh, I don't know. They, they, they were seven found seven percent APR over a, whatever forty five million pounds. No, tell it's me between fifty and sixty thousand pound a week that they they earn in interest. What each or no between them? Between them. So I, I mean, they point out and and. Nigel's going to talk about this in a minute, but they've charged the club nearly fifteen million pound in interest since two thousand and eleven. It's actually fourteen million eight hundred and seventy five thousand of which they've taken in interest about twelve point two out already, so they've got another two million to come, and it's still earning interest at a lower rate of four percent um but then also so, Brady's up there as one of the highest paid chairman, isn't she? She she earns she took a slight pay cut of about fifty grand. She's earning eight hundred and sixty-eight. It's a lot less than some of the big boys, but it's a lot more. Well, actually, Chelsea earns at chairman uh, or, or chief executive earns two hundred, and Daniel Levy earns a lot more. So she's yeah, probably different gear, and he actually does everything. Daniel yeah, Levy she's runs probably the in the upper third. If I'm honest with you, she's in the upper yeah. third. But towards the lower end but, of the upper third. Right. But, but of that upper third, so that was that seven in the top seven of paid, if that's seven, four, yeah, top seven. Um, how many of the others only work part time? Well, I don't, I couldn't answer that. And I don't know how part time Aaron Brady is. Well, Maybe well, you, you know. Could, you could work that out, though, couldn't you? You could work out she does television shows. She and does, she does speaking engagements, yeah. yeah. House of Lords stuff. She 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 does so many other things. Then she's on the board of Simon Cowell's company. She's not anymore. She's on the board that. of. Oh, what about the? Um, she's chairman of Arcadia or whatever it is. Arcadia. Yeah. But that's yeah. only the ball mean. She only does that about eight hours a year and gets like two hundred. Oh, is that it? Yeah. So she only goes. To, so she don't pay attention to anything the company's doing. No. Oh, she House spend Lords no time mean, looking at the. Well. I'm not here to defend her, but I'm just saying. No, and I'm, I'm not just saying. saying how can do... you sit in a board meeting if you don't know how well the company's in? Well, I'm sure she reads the papers. 
but she's the chairman. She she chairs the board meetings, right? I'm sure she sees the papers. But the main thing she does, which is, I would say, in conflict, is the filming of TV shows, including The Apprentice, there's another one coming, and and her maybe, you know, I don't know when she runs, writes her son column. She obviously does a lot of speaking engagements. By the way, if you go to the House of Lords register, there's a link that will show you all the things she does because she has to declare everything she does. As a House of Lords, she has to declare every speaking arrangement, everything she's earned. That's one of the beauties of being in the House of Lords. She has to declare everything. So if you're ever interested to see what else she does, it's all there. House of Lords, Register of Interest, Baroness Brady, you'll see what she does. You would think, wouldn't you, if something is sort of problematic as this has been it would deserve its her full attention wouldn't you you think yeah. so yeah I think so um another interesting thing that i read in this summary is west ham spent 80 million pound on players in last season so that include au snodgrass lanzini etc um it went well didn't it it went well no, didn't mine. it so 80 million was the spend but the net spend was 40 million because uh, obviously we sold um, Payet. And, but we've said this uh, for ages, haven't we? Which is, has always been said now. They can't run a proper football club. They can't do it properly. That's why if if you were buying a player, correct, buying correct players at the right state of their careers, then you'd have a resale value on these players. So you could lose, yeah. you could lose a player every other year or whatever for big money and keep all of those figures that you've discussed down, couldn't you? Yeah. You could keep down this paying £114 million over periods because we've still got outstanding paid on players. Yeah. But we're still outstanding payment on players that have left us or yeah, are in the reserves. You're, you're on. By the just, way, when we spent £80.8 million, Everton outspent us spending 92.1 Leicester outspent us spending 102 million Chelsea obviously 106 Arsenal 114 Man City 204 205 for Man City below us actually Liverpool spent less uh, 76 million in the same season and good old Stoke has <laughs> just spent 36 million in the year and a whole 32 but but look know, at the amount of players you buy you got you can't look at the total expenditure because Liverpool could have bought three players for that, where we yeah. yeah, but it, but it's just all boils down to the quality of player, isn't it? It, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care if they spend ten million or fifty million. I just want them to get a good player with a decent, mm. you know, bit, bit of knowledge about the player, not just these players that he plucks out the air that gets bought to him. And now that's been the proof of where we are now because yeah. they can't run a football club. The problem now. with the Premier League is that you've now got seven, eight, nine clubs all chasing the same type of player. So now the player has got the pick of clubs. So basically, when West Ham's after player, we'll probably find that Southampton, Everton, you know, those types of clubs, yes, uh, yeah, are looking at the same player. So what we've got to hope is West Ham is more attractive to join than the other clubs. Now, the problem you've got is, at the moment, we're not. Yeah. Right. And that's what we need to rectify. And what they've done in the past is given them high... To, they've beaten people, by got people in by paying them the wages, which yeah. are greater than other um, clubs would bear. And they pay over the odds for the player. Yeah. So they pay over the odds for an average player 
and give them too much money instead of finding a instead of sort of always going for that pool of average players that get passed around by the same agents. So instead of sort of doing their own legwork, and it's just come back to bite them on the arse, isn't yeah. it? Now I'm going to move. I'm going to move on to the sale of the bowling ground because this is a really interesting one. So they revealed that West Ham, the, the, the ground was sold for 38 million, as we've talked about for a while, and the club said they made an 8.6 million pound profit. Now, in 2012, the bowling ground was registered as a far a fair market value as a stadium of 71.2 million. The next the next year, they reduced that to 40 million. And suddenly they sell it for, hang on, let me finish. They sell it for 38 and record an £8 million profit. Yeah. I don't quite get that, but here's some interesting I stuff. I can explain that when you're ready. Right. Here's some interesting stuff, because after that, it was bought by Galliard, right? Galliard paid £10 million, by the way, two £5 million up front. So they only had to pay £28 million in 2016 to buy the ground, because... In other years, they'd already given West Ham two five millions in the past two years. So we'd already trousered 10 million quid, and then we got the remaining 28 million quid. Now, this is where it gets interesting, because a company was formed called Bowling Phoenix that was 50% owned by Galliard Homes, founded by an Essex businessman called Simon Conway. Some connections with his it is uh, to maybe Alan Sugar and, and Spurs. I don't know. A bit tenuous, but but look into it yourselves. And the other half was, um, and I can't Mount Pleasant uh, Development. It, it it's in there, but but that is owned by a chap called Vince Goldstein. Uh, Mount Pleasant Developments. That's it. That's got connections with a chap called Vince Goldstein. If you look at him, his previous business partner was the vice chairman of Spurs and very good friends with Daniel Levy. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but it's just very strange. But it gets worse because Bowling Phoenix have just announced their figures and they show revenue of 60,000, sorry, 60 million pounds. So on the books, they bought something for, for, uh, for, um, I don't, I don't know, 30, sorry, 38, and suddenly it's worth 60. How did Galliard make 60? Did they sell it for a profit? But when you look at the land registry, the land registry said that the last sale price was 40 million. But Bowling Phoenix say they got 60 million. Where did the extra 20 million come from? I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory, but there is something very strange. And I don't want to go any further in case of libel laws or anything else, but there is something very bizarre. Maybe someone can explain it to us. How Bowling Phoenix, which was a company just designed to de- develop the bowling ground, has revenue sales of 60 million. However, they appear to have sold the ground for 40 million. Where did the extra 20 million come from? And by the way, they've paid the dividends <coughs> to the two partners. This, um, there, so there I is don't a know. Anyway, it. Go on. What go about pre-sales on the on the property or something like that? No. Nah. So did so start off with the money. So the stadium was valued at seventy million. Then yep. it's downgraded the next year to forty million. It is. Now the yeah. reason for that is is that the seventy million is the book price. So basically, if the ground was blown up and needed rebuilding, that's what the insurance company would pay West Ham. 
to rebuild the ground. Right, I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. 70 million. Yeah. Now, in 2013, it was dropped down. That's because West Ham had done the deal with Galliards. Galliards only wanted the land. They weren't buying a football stadium. The football stadium <laughs> yeah, was worthless that. to them. So that's why, for accounting purposes, that it's reduced down to the, the 40 million. million. But yeah. how do they make a profit right. of 8.6 so million? Where then? I, oh, West Ham. West Ham. Yeah. How did West Ham record because a profit of 8.6 million? They probably had mortgages against it. Ah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. The, so the outstanding yeah. mortgages. And so the outstanding loans secured against the, the, the bowling ground, as generally every football club does was obviously 30 million. So they got 8 million profit or 29 million. Now, Bowling Phoenix's profit, I don't know. You know, The only thing I can think of is they would have earned money for the feature film that was made there. Uh, so obviously when the feature film Not was made after million. It, No, 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 no. Listen to me. You got it out. Yeah. So they would have made money off of that. Yeah, so they would have got paid for that film to be made and whatever. Plus, I'm pretty sure, you know, when they when the ground was demolished, uh, there's a good chance that they sold off some of the seats, some of the stuff that was left. Hang on a minute. I, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah, go on. They never did it. What? Before, before the developers even moved in, they sold it to Barrett London. Oh, Barrett London had that. Oh, Remember, the money came yeah, over yeah. in July 2016. So the feature film was made by when Barrett London already owned it. Yeah. The seats of demolition was done by Barrett London. So I'm going to shoot you down there, Nigel, and say oh, it man. remains a mystery. Don't if know you me. know or think you know, you can account for where the extra 20 million came from in Bowling Phoenix, please let us know at more than just the podcast. Let Sean know. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to leave it there because I know finance bores a lot of people but we want to this brings us a really nice link onto Nigel because Nigel's done one of his famous films called in a series of David Gold to Truth tell us about it Nigel yeah so I looked at what he said about it all stems from the interview the most recent interview he gave to the West Ham way I had a look at what he said about the um, move from the Bowling Grand Olympic Stadium I think I debunked of what he, he, he said and showed him to be disingenuous <laughs> look the word up if you like me and you didn't know what it meant um, so then I thought in layman's terms because Sean you're going to get carried away and baffle us with figures and uh, you know I'm not talking down to West Ham fans but a lot of West Ham fans I know are a bit like me and are like what the fuck are you talking about so I've sort of stripped it back into layman's terms into what Gold said so there was a couple of things that didn't add up it, it he started off by going, well, what have we done with the money? You know, we spent millions on Rush Green. We spent $15 million on the stadium, which was part of the um, the original upfront cost that they had to pay to move in. And then he goes, we've had to pay $15 million on the store and internals as well, which confused me a bit because I thought that was the $15 million that they had to pay to move into the stadium. So is there another $15 million on top of that? So was it 30 million did they have to pay? But, you know, the, the thing that got Marco really did was when he turned man and pleaded poverty and said he's actually lost money by investing in West Ham. And in the video, it, I'm not calling him a liar, but I try and show how he hasn't lost money by investing in West Ham, that he's actually 
kept his wealth and increased it by the, the big thing he come up with was ten uh, percent. He, he had um, I, I took that he's invested twenty million. He's he's probably done a bit more than that, but it's easy because it's a round figure for someone like me. Twenty million earning him 10% a year is 2 million interest. Now, he said by taking that 20 million from one uh, investment and investing it, and that's the magic word, he's investing it in West Ham, not giving it. He's investing it in West Ham. He's losing money. Well, he's still got that 20 million. That 20 million is still sitting there and he's against his net worth, as as he called it. So he hasn't lost that 20 million. He's no. not earning the interest, so that's two million a year. But he's getting one point four million a year off of West Ham. David Gold sold it in the interview. I'm losing six hundred grand. Well, if you haven't earned it in my book, you ain't lost it. So what you're doing is you're just earning a little bit less. You're not losing money. You're getting one point four million. He also claimed they'd never took wages or a share dividend out of the club. Now, this is probably, even that ain't true, I don't think. They've had loan repayments uh, between the pair of them of $4 million from the f- original $52 million total they put into the club. It's now down. They've had a $4 million repayment. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. But they've also took 13, 14 million pounds worth of interest out of the club, which is not a dividend and it's not wages. But again, David Gold, the way, it was the way he dressed it up that, that I thought was a bit. It, it was done to make us almost feel sorry for him. It was disingenuous. It was disingenuous. It was done to make us feel sorry for him. And, yeah. you know. I, I think it was misguided to do. Uh, that that interview because people like you would rip it apart and you know it's one of those subjects when you talk about finances it's it's black and white you know if you if you say something that's not true it can be ripped apart and I know at the end and I don't want to spoil any more that you talk about you know the valuation by Karen Brady of 800 million and he probably bought his shares about 35 million you know he 
he if that valuation is true, and I know that's a big if, he stand, he's got 36% of the shares. That's £250 million profit in the eight years he's owned the club. By the way, done a quick calculation while we've been talking. That's £31 million pounds a year profit for the eight years he's been here if his 36 percent sold for 250 million i mean i'm excluding the windfall tax and everything else right that it would be payable at the moment but on paper assuming there's no windfall tax and he sold it for 800 million pound in the future right uh, let's say in i think it's 2023 it's still going to make him, he would have made 20 million pound profit on his investment for every single year he's been here, even if he sells it after the windfall tax. So to plead poverty, I get, I get what he was trying to say, <laughs> but it doesn't work, no, does it? Because someone like you, Nigel, would just shoot the, it down. I mean, that's one of the points, you know, you, I've shown you the video, that, that I make in, in the, how, how can you say you've lost money? I mean, I don't agree with, I don't think anyone, where does she get this 800 million figure from? I don't know. But it's on a website. So I screenshotted the yeah. page of a website to prove this is what she said. So that's an f- actual figure that we can work with that's written down. Yeah. So therefore, we look at David Gold, as I said, we come up with 280 million less what he's put in. It's 250 million profit. You know? Yeah. Anyway, we've done we've done thirty minutes on finance, which is probably enough for yeah. any podcast. When's the video coming up? Uh, it, it's over with um, Gonzo at Amish Chat. So I know he does his mic on Monday, so we're recording this show on Monday. So I'd imagine tomorrow or Wednesday it will go up. Excellent. All right, we'll look out for that, and we'll put a copy on uh, the yeah. Facebook group as well, and and tweet it out and everything else. Right, let's move on to Karen Brady, one of John's, and this is where I'm going to bring John in. Um, because he likes this subject. Uh, Cameron Brady (laughs) made a full apology and took full, said her board takes full responsibility for West Ham's predicament. Got to be praised for that, hasn't hasn't she, uh, John? Um, Well, firstly, she did it in the sun, which I think is an absolute disgrace to start off with. And secondly, it wasn't a full apology, was it? it's an apology I want to put on record the board West Ham would like to offer our full apologies for the vast majority of our supporters who turn up to support the club you know she wasn't apologising for was she she apologising to Nigel but not to me and you because we were standing in front of the box is is that what happened yeah but what she was apologising for me I was a journalist uh, yeah, least you, it, she wasn't apologising to. What? Who she was apologising to was the to the, the world of football for the scenes that we saw on Saturday, and for all like-minded people. And she thanked everyone for their support that for the trouble that they had endured. And she does say we take full responsibility for our our, pre- our predicament in the club. Yeah, but that is a bit late, really, as well, isn't it? They can take full responsibility. Because she's got to, but she's not saying, I'm sorry for the things we've done to get us here. Right. Let me just and, read this. And and she then goes on to say about how much money they've spent. Let's put this right. We've spent 80 million on players. Well, we've just gone through that, which is just ridiculous. And then saying how difficult it's been to try and make it feel more like home because we're fighting against the London mayor sort of thing. Well, how many times do we have to say it? 
she's fighting against the mayor because she can't do nothing about it because the agreement that she negotiated with stops her from having the ability to change anything. Mm-hmm. So why should that come as a surprise to her? She says, let me be frank. The board takes full responsibility for our predicament. Ultimately, the table does not lie. And just like the team, we are judged on our position. Every fan has a view on the players, manager and team formation. But it's our job to put it a place, put it into place, a structure that allows our players and team management to secure the necessary results. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't, they're taking responsibility for it, but they're not saying, sorry, we're rubbish. She also reveals the wage bill. We talked about the wage bill was at 95 million. She now reveals it's another 10 million. It's gone up to 105 million. Yeah. But it doesn't help because at the end of the day, it's about results. And I know a lot of people have said she should have done this on the official website. Yeah. And not in a sun column. And she should say, I'm sorry to to our supporters for what's happening at our club right now and where things are right now. We've made mistakes. We'll look at, you know, but no, none of it's an actual apology to the fans. And it's it's all, it's it's very well written because she never quite says what people want to hear. And for her to come out with things, we're going to get architects in to check, try and sort this out. We're going to, well, hold on a minute. This should have all, been, the reason, then what we talked about earlier tells you, they took two £5 million payments on the on sort of like on tick for the move, which basically tied them into that move on a certain date without they had no option but to move. If they hadn't sort of done that deal or left that deal a bit more loose, then they could have waited said to the London Stadium, hold on a minute, this place still ain't ready yet. We'll come in a year's time. Get all these things sorted. Yeah. But you know everything they've done What do you think she should do? Resign. <laughs> Personally, she brings. She doesn't bring anything. We've said it earlier. She takes so a lot of money out of the club. To resign, fall on a sword, and get a a, a decent. Get a proper director chief of football. Yeah. Well, she, the director of football. I'm going to put a name out there. By the way, Dick Law. That sounds like a That's star nice out of one of David Sullivan's movies from the seventies. <laughs> Are you sure? American, who was the director of football at Arsenal. Oh, well, you can see that happening. Finishing this summer, we're seeing. we are we are we are on the cheap Arsenal, aren't we? Basically, they're trying. Yeah, to that's be. another gag, well, isn't it? On the cheap Arsenal, that's that's another film we made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she, I mean, I I don't see what she brings. She, this stadium move has been a failure, a complete and utter failure, an absolute shambles, and she is wholly responsible for that. She's done. She does her sun column week in, week out, which just antagonises everyone. She then comes out with stuff on there that really does piss people off, and it's been absolutely it's been implicated in failed transfer activity. What has she got to do to get? So you wouldn't. To- I mean, you wouldn't accept her to be like a non-executive director, and then bring a, a chief executive in, and her still be on Look, the board. She, then she's, want her gone. she's worth. She's worth a lot of money now, isn't she? And she's probably got... Has she got shares or whatever? I don't know. No, not really. She she talks about shares, but they never showed up in the company's house. But, you know, I don't... All I, I just don't want to ever see her again talking about our club. Okay. 
So actions speak louder than words, John. Well, this is what I'm also saying about all this stuff about truces and let's all try and get away from and let's all get united. Well, then offer something with some substance to generate some faith. And, but apart and, from Brady resigning, which you've been clear about, what else could they offer in substance before the summer? Before the summer? Mm-hmm. Well, they could they could not be seen at the ground on Saturday or Saturday week. Okay. Or they they could not come. But they, you know they they could not be seen in their director's box. They could. So you want them to boycott the games and for, um, uh, Cameron Brady to fall on a sword and resign or be sacked? Yeah. Yeah, I'd prefer her to be okay. sacked. All right. It's it's one point of view. Nigel, let's bring you in. I've got I, I, uh, the, the best you bit must of that have column. loved Brady's statement. Oh, the Go best on. bit of that column is always read the comments underneath. <laughs> yeah. So this is on the Sun website. Yeah. Money grabbing lying. See you next Tuesday. You've done it at Birmingham. You're doing it here. Just fuck off. Yeah. Next comment. Karen. Can I ask whether the above article is in line with the board's current thinking? If so, why is it published in the newspaper and not on West Ham's site? Is your column more important? Next up, these three weasels are asset strippers and always have been. Of all the London clubs, West Ham had the biggest identity and you've now taken that away from them. They've been moved to a ground totally unfit for football. Uh, I doubt if he's a West Ham fan because Tim left his name. Uh, next up, the rivet catcher. The simple solution is for the Brady bunch to step aside and let proper business football, uh, football business people with a football knowledge to run it. Uh, Colonel Mustard said, uh, you are not judged because you lay the blame on the managers or the players. Uh, Del Trotter said, Karen, it is with regret, but you're fired. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Woods Love went, it. lies, lies, lies. I, I mean, these comments... You know, they're not really they're doing a lot for her, are they? And then a bloke called Peter Smith just let her have it on, on a big rant. You're a joke. Do all the supporters a favour and resign. That's the decent thing. But you're not decent. And as we all know, failure is rewarded to people like you. And Rivet catches I think I think the, the statement was... M- well intentioned, but it shouldn't have been on the side. Where's the well we You've given your view. Can I just give my view without being oh, shouted down? Yeah, go on. Right? I think it was well intentioned. It should never have been on the sun, it should have been on the official site. And it it was there were too many excuses in it. It was great that full responsibility, etc. But then it just it went on for too long. And it sort of tried to make excuses for the reasons. And I think we didn't want to hear that. We wanted to hear, we're sorry. We're going to try and do better. Um, and you're right. The little dig, the vast majority of fans, who who did they mean? Were they saying everyone except the four that ran on the pitch? Or were they talking about anyone who was out their seat? I don't know. I, I, it, it leaves an ambiguity in it, with the reader on on what she actually meant. I don't get how you can say that's well intentioned because there is no apology. Right. Do you think to... it was malicious? All right, let me ask you a question. 
Do you think she wrote the statement trying to make it malicious to upset? Western no, fans I think more? she wrote that statement to stick her yeah. fingers up to the the, the West Ham fans that are against yeah, the she's ball. Giving, no, she's giving it to that's you. What it was. First of all, it was two fingers in the air to people yeah. like me and John. First of all, I want to apologise on behalf of everyone at the football club for what we witnessed last Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. For what we witnessed last Saturday. Well, hold on. Let's first of all apologise for the state of our football club because of you clowns. That's where you start. You don't apologise for what happened last Saturday to the whole world of football. Is that for you, Sean? Hello? He's got to take the call, hasn't he? <laughs> this, is, this is it, people, isn't it? This is when we're working with a media professional. He's he's actually walked off, I think, and left us. Well, I'll make you right, John. Yeah, I'll just, I mean, there's no way. Because he's left now. This is where I can go, like, basically, Sean's Pinocchio, isn't he? He's like a puppet on the string, and no, they just make him dance. From from his point of view. Sorry about that. That was, <laughs> that, was that was the radio station. They wanted to put me on live now, and I said not. So I am recording something for, or I'm going on live on... Love Sport Radio, which is being launched today by Kelvin McKenzie's, but um, they, they were going to put me on at eight, but uh, I've said ten past, so we're going to have to wrap this up in ten minutes, guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what well, bottom line is, Sean, I believe that it was no apology there. It was a defend my corner and up yours. That's what I thought. I'm not okay. saying you're a puppet, so we know what you think. So well, that's that's the thing. <laughs> You, you, you sort of you sort of come over a little bit more proper sort of like middle of the road and like minded, but then you just bail back into the I'm not bail backing in. I've just said she shouldn't have done it on the sun. She shouldn't it shouldn't have been too long and she shouldn't have made excuses. That's not being pro board, John. That's just being middle you know, just saying, actually I think it was well intentioned, but she got it wrong. Anyway, it's time for this. Yes, it's Facebook, Twitter question time. And earlier today, I asked, recording the podcast tonight, to, re- to discuss the recently published financial accounts and the Karen Brady apology in the sun. Feel free to send in any West Ham financial questions you want answering by Nigel and any comments about the Brady article in the sun or anything else you want to get off your chest. Paul Harris said, do the owners think it's beneficial to the team at the moment and the atmosphere in in the ground if they stubbornly choose to attend the remaining home games? Surely that will only antagonise the situation, John. Yeah, I've said we don't think they should be there, but you could see, you know, we we discussed in the past. Didn't you say last week, Nigel? You think it's it's, it's turned from sort of like fifty fifty now against the board as opposed to less than. Or the majority. Yeah, I think I think I think it is. I think the 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 balled out people have grown in in numbers, and the more they behave the way they do, the more she writes crap like that and everything else, the more people are going to turn to the dark side. So I just think, I mean, yeah, I think from a bored out person, they shouldn't be there. But I'm sure there'd be people that are pro bored think they shouldn't get shouldn't I, get I bullied out of there, sort of thing. Yeah, well, I think it's split. Chris Hooper says. Could it be mentioned about the length of journey from the station to the ground? Because all of the detours in place again 
This was not mentioned by Brady when selling us a stadium dream. Uh, Nigel, well, we go a different way, but... Well, that that's the thing, isn't it? No, they never really explain to people. I don't know if you remember during the Rugby World Cup, I actually made a video where I filmed the walk, did, yeah. 30 minutes. Uh, 30 mm-hmm. minute walk. And people thought I actually made that up. But but we will say, and I'm only saying this cutting over you yeah. for, for time, we go via DLR. Don't we have tell a everyone. Way now I'm going to talk over you in case uh, people are right, here. You can say that, but the reason yeah. that we do that is because we're on the arse end of the stadium. Yeah. So it, it doesn't work yeah. for everyone. All right. Fair point. Clive uh, Catterall says, when is the PR club's PR department going to return to work? They seem to have been on some kind of extended break. Hmm. No comment. Uh, David uh, Sorensen. No, Sorensen. <laughs> oh, that's going to be completely wrong. Why? Why has the apology come from Brady rather than Sullivan? For me, it's another political move for them to preempt more trouble, and then they can make us look unreasonable because they can say they apologise and working on things which can't be solved immediately. Do you think that's why it came from Brady rather than Sullivan? Well, they don't want Sullivan talking to yeah, the press, I, think, I don't yeah. think. I agree, yeah. He's best yeah. kept in his cupboard, isn't he? Roger Markham says, when she makes a statement regarding seating at the OS, I'll never call it the London Stadium, we will employ top architects to see what improvements can be made to the seating configuration. Is it anywhere near possible? And I'm going to answer this one. No, because they are still in major legal dispute with the owners. LLDC and the London Mayor, of when you're in legal dispute, and when the court case is not heard to November, you can do, put as many architects you want in that stadium, but nothing is going to happen until the court find case that really is resolved. Funny, Sean, that. And quickly, hold up, just quickly to that, remember that if they did find an architect who could come up with a way to make the seating nearer the pitch and not block the upstairs people, because if you move it that they'd have to totally demolish the lower tier. I mean, West Ham would have to move out of the stadium or play with a lesser capacity or move everyone downstairs, upstairs, while they do it. Never happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it ain't going to happen. John Borum says, surely the board insisting on, is going to insist going on to Southampton uh, a match shows their egos are far bigger than their concern for the club. If they want to minimise the risk of a demonstration, then all they have to do is announce they're not going. Uh, my information from senior sources are they'll be sitting in the front row for the Southampton game and they're going. There you go. Nick Harvey says, why didn't Brady's apology appear on the club website? We, we discussed this. Once again, it was full of smoke and mirrors and platitudes. Too little, too late, Karen. But it's interesting. She had to admit to the most successful stadium migration ever isn't it. How did Bowling Phoenix make a, what, £20 million profit? We've already discussed that. And he says, Southampton is critical and the board need to stay away in order for the crowd to get behind the team. Yeah. Uh, David White says, if we stay up, who would you want to see as your number one goalkeeper? Nigel. Uh, Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, If Stoke go down and we stay up, I'd sign Jack Butland. I was thinking that. I was just thinking that. All right. Okay. Taffy Warpack says, well, it's 10.58pm where I am now. So good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the big buzz bite, which would be nice. The apology. Couldn't get through the first paragraph. Finances. I think mine are better, Nick, than West Ham. Off my chest. Well, I've got this chesty cough now. I can't seem to shake it off. Last two. Ed Hawthorne says, 
what are re- what is a realistic transfer budget for the summer if we stay up or go down? Uh, and the last one, and I'm gonna come back to that one. Ed Hughes, does anyone know a billionaire wishing to buy into a dysfunctional family? So I'm gonna ask, does anyone know a billionaire wanting to buy into a dysfunctional family? Nigel? Uh no. No. Uh John, what's a realistic transfer budget uh, for the summer? If we stay up if we stay up. They gotta spend I don't know, they'll have to spend about sixty mil, something like that. I would have thought. I actually think it should be money, no object. Just pick the right players. They've they've they must have banked yeah. enough money now that they haven't spent to say to whoever the manager is, tell us who you want. We That's the other thing. Here. Who's the manager going to be? Yeah, he, he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't well, really... who is the manager going to be? But we're on fifty minutes, guys, and I'm just about right, to go right, live sure. on the radio. Well, well, to be honest, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> so where someone have to leave disappears halfway through it to go answer the phone. There's a first. Won't <laughs> you hear what we talked about? <laughs> we will be back. Yeah, I will have to wait till you talk about. Um, but uh, that's it for this week. It's goodbye from me, Sean. It's goodbye from Nigel. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from John. Goodbye. Uh, I don't know if we'll be back next week. We'll see if we've got anything to talk about, but it's the West Ham world, so who knows? Bobby Moore. Come on, you irons. hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 